one. There it is. We're here. We're back. We're back. It's our last week, though. This is it. We're done after this. But we're going to close that out with an awesome week. Awesome guests lined up. This first one, we're going to talk about finding your flow in polyamory. So tune in. This will be fun. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. We are back for the last week of Season 1. If you are joining us today, where you been? No, I'm just kidding. Welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that have been here for a while, you already know we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Well, this is our last week of that, but we'll have a couple little bonus episodes here and there before we start Season 2 again in February of next year. So, for this last week, if you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discuss on the show... Slide into my DMs, let me know, or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow us on all social media platforms at Practicing Polyay, and let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, as a reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcomed guest to be on the show. None of us are perfect, and we have we are here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So, well... I'll wait on the go to practicing polyamory. You know what? Go to practicingpolyamory.com. Sign up to share your imperfect story too. We're going to have spots open for next year. All right, let's jump in and introduce today's awesome guest who is an author and a poet who's already published four books and has twice as many planned to complete her 12-part queer and witchy book series about witches, romance, and coming of age. She's officially been out as polyam for more than a year, even if she kind of always had an inkling that she wasn't totally monogamous. Our guest loves video games and anime, so true to our polyam stereotypes, she's a total nerd. But she's also, obviously, extremely creative, and her passions range from writing to drawing, painting, music, and photography, and she's absolutely obsessed with tattoos. On her polyam journey, our guest has learned that what is most important is flexibility, the ability to be flexible and go with the flow. Getting a bit deeper, she learned how important it was for her to find her flow and follow it to overcome anxiety and insecurity about her relationships. So join us as we dive into what our guest has learned, the many things she's had to unlearn, and how all of those lessons shake out into what her polyam journey looks like today. Joining us today from the land of Scots, author, poet, artist, and all-around creative, welcome to the show, Angelica Murphy Parker. Woo! I see you bobbing your head over there. Angelica, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. A little bit nervous, but really glad to be here. That's okay. That's, you know, it's just a conversation between two regular old normal human beings. You know, uh, we just both happen to be polyamorous. And, uh, you know, I want to hear your story. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. You've got four books already written, several more in the works. Uh, 
tell us a little bit about your your passions here. What what do you got going on? Uh, well, I'm very passionate about writing, obviously. Uh, I've been writing ever since I was eight years old, ever since I was in school. We call it primary school over, over here. Mm -hmm. I know you call it elementary school over there. Um, so I've been writing ever since I was like, ever since I could write, based, every, ever since I learned to write, really. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, writing is just such a wonderful outlet and you've got four books already. You want to tell me a little bit about these books? Okay. So the first trilogy, uh, which I started writing, I think when I was 12 years old, when I was getting into high school and just sort of coming into my teens, uh, it's about, uh, it's mainly focused on three characters uh, named JW, Melissa and Louise. And it follows them in their life and as they progress. Uh, one of the things that I've learned through writing is that it, it doesn't always have to be planned. Sometimes when you're writing, it just comes out just mm. like me. I came out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's a coming of age series. Uh, the first trilogy is set when they're between the ages of 11 uh, to 14. Uh, so it's it's a little bit like Harry Potter in that way that it's mm -hmm. three characters. So so there's a lot of similarities. 60% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> Not sure what that was referencing to, but I mean, if you're going with the trilogies, then that's what it is. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, where was I there? Um, so, so Similar to Harry Potter in that way you were saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's... It's about characters that are in a Scottish high school mm -hmm. and they just so happen to be witches. So it follows along with a lot of drawing from my own life. So for example, I've talked to classmates and friends and got on their anecdotes. So I've used those to inspiration, uh, inspire my story. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the, fir the first trilogy, um, I wrote that, oh, over several years um what i did to start that off and get it sort of more into a novel structure was i started doing uh, something called NaNoWriMo so oh yeah, November yeah. Writing month yeah so that's coming uh, up isn't it yeah it's it's a great inspiration uh, they give you lots of hints and tips and they they're just there to sort of help you and motivate you to get to that word count and so from that 50,000 words I published books so every nice. year I participate in NaNoWriMo and that's where my writing comes from and NaNoWriMo uh is uh what can, can you actually just just tell me what it stands for I know it's a, like a, not an acronym but like shortened for something it's it's short for November writing month uh they are a charity and uh, I'm not sure how else to describe it. Uh, so they, they just help young writers and aspiring writers uh, who want to get into it. They also do boot camps and they they just they, they do lots of activities throughout the year. So November is their their main their main thing. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the big writing month. Uh, my my ex actually uh, is also a writer, and she participated in that uh, one year and did a put a lot of work into uh, the book that she was working on as well. So uh, really, really cool stuff. I just couldn't remember exactly what it stood for. Something 
November writing month. Yeah, whatever. Anywho. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I mean, it's really awesome. I, I'm, I'm impressed that you've already got four books and, you know, planning all these other ones. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your polyamory journey, I, I guess, you know, uh, how you came to learn about polyamory. Um, is polyamory reflected in your writing and your stories? I would say it's somewhat reflected in my writing. Uh, my journey through polyamory has been quite a rocky one. It's taken me a long time to come over uh, religious guilt because mm -hmm. I, am, I am Irish, uh, so I was raised Roman Catholic. So there was a lot of getting over the, the idea that I'm not someone's property. I'm not there to become wife and mother, and that's not... Uh, something that I really need in my life, really. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I came to realize through cheating on ex-partners and being in open relationships and, and just sort of going with the flow throughout my life, I guess. I feel like that uh, overcoming that guilt is part of going with the flow. Um, I also come from a religious background, um, Seventh-day Adventist, if I'm going to be specific, um, and there was a lot of guilt for me personally in my religious journey. Uh, I remember, you know, being in the Navy on deployment, trying to do, you know, all of the right things, right? Like don't for, for, for Seventh-day Adventists, part of the teachings is like the body is the temple, right? So like, we're not allowed to eat, uh, pork and, uh, and and, and crustaceans, right? Because those are oh, bad meats or dirty meats or whatever. Um, not allowed to smoke, not allowed to drink, you know, uh, that old adage about if, if I lust after someone, then pluck out my eye, you know, like uh, all this yeah. stuff. So, so I've had, you know, all of those teachings that were running around in my head and, you know, constantly feeling guilty for not living up to those expectations. And when I finally like, I guess shut down that part of me. I was like, you know, F religion, like I'm, I'm done with it. Yeah. You know, I was able to go with the flow, like you're saying a lot more and give myself more, more grace and permission to just be human. Yeah. Like it, what, it is very human to have more than just one part, one like love. There's, mm -hmm. there's not just, your your boyfriend or your husband or whatever you want to call it or girlfriend or wife etc there's also you you can love your family you can love your friends you can love mm -hmm. anyone you can love everyone and anyone really 100% 100% so uh for you part of going with the flow was overcoming this religious guilt um yes. tell me a little bit about that process tell me a little bit about uh i guess how you had to get yourself in a good place to be able to move forward and, and, you know, follow polyamory, you know, or, or choose non-monogamy. Well, the main thing that helped me, I think, to get into the place where I could accept polyamory was my ex ex fiance from last year over lockdown, we were stuck together. And so being together 24 seven stuck in the house Hmm. Uh, that made me realize that 
that wasn't enough that that one person like I loved him of course because I I actually proposed to him he didn't propose to me I proposed to him (laughs) (laughs) nice nice way to shake it up I love it exactly it's a funny story actually because it was my birthday and he said today I'm going to say yes to anything you ask me and I was like okay and so I got very (laughs) drunk and I proposed to him (laughs) oh that is great that is that is hilarious yeah uh, so y'all were stuck together 24 7 lockdown and you have this realization that wait a minute i need more than this yeah so what happened was i approached one of my friends and he'd had a crush on me for a couple of years uh but i had i hadn't really like thought oh maybe he's interested maybe he wants mm-hmm. something else and so he convinced me that what he wanted was a triad um, or some form of V relationship. So Mm -hmm. it was having two partners. But what my ex-fiance realized was he wasn't comfortable with a Moni Polo setup. And so uh, it was quite a good growth moment for him is that he realized that I was more happy being polyamorous and he felt that me and this friend at the time uh, were emotionally cheating. So he took took the moment once all the restrictions lifted to just uh, go away. And like, it, there was some time where it was really difficult, um, but eventually we became friends. And then I met my current nice. partner after that. That's nice that you were able to uh, remain friends. I mean, uh, I've been equally lucky with uh with my with my ex-wife that we have remained uh really really close friends i mean as close as family literally um and i feel like that's that's only possible for me because of what i've learned uh through polyam through polyamory hey robbie thanks for joining us even if you're late we appreciate you um so for you uh angelica uh when you kind of had this realization and you you had this uh this conversation uh with with your ex-fiance i mean that must have been that must have been tough um what were some of the conversations that you had what were uh some of the things that you discovered and you know i mean obviously he he's you said that he couldn't be in a monopoly relationship yeah were you did he know before you even proposed and you know during the time that you were together uh that you were polyamorous or that you had these polyamorous leanings i don't know to be honest i feel like there was always an inkling because i i actually had heard of polyamory in i think about 2015 mm-hmm. and that was when i actually broke up with my first ex-fiance so i i've been engaged twice Mm-hmm. Uh, so my first ex-fiance was very, very religious. And so uh, basic, basically, there was always the, I am your fiance, therefore you must do what I say. But my second fiance was a lot more open. He was, he was immature, but also mature be- because for him, uh, he realized that, it's some- that polyamory is something that made me happy. So... Mm-hmm. I I think I think like my my journey has sort of been a, 
along along the lines of escaping uh, the confines of religion and just accepting myself, mm. accepting who I am, even accepting my identity. So, like like changing changing my name to be double barreled, for example. I don't understand changing your name to be double barreled. Yeah. So my uh, my first ex fiance he said you could only change your name if you got married. So what I what I did was I went and I added my mum's for my mum's maiden name to my last name. Oh, okay. And, and that's that's where I was able to gain the confidence that yes, I am, I am who I am. I I am part Irish and part Scottish it's so it's okay to be both just like it's okay to be attracted to men and women and it's Mm -hmm. okay to be attracted like oh there's actually someone I've got a crush on at the moment and they were a she but then they were they were they but I still was attracted to them so gender is something as well that I don't I don't see really I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like you're you're really starting to come into your own. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned before we started the show here was uh, finding space for yourself and kind of creating this this stable base uh, before involving others. And it sounds like between uh, you know uh, overcoming the religious guilt and and discovering maybe your own sexuality, you're like coming to terms with uh, different identities. So uh, that sounds to me like you giving yourself that space. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey? Um, and I guess, you know, how, what that means to you. What does it mean to you to, to find space for yourself, to create that cable, that stable base before involving others? So my, my current partner, um, we sort of realized that, our past relationships have caused a lot of issues. And for him, this is his first uh, sort of open relationship and non-monogamous mm-hmm. relationship. And so he has a, a lot of guilt to overcome as well. But it's it's realizing that you can be separate people, but but when you come together, it's, it's just about being together. So mm-hmm. you don't bring any of your traumas or anxieties into it. Uh, I guess I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if I said that correctly, but that yes, yes. I'm like I'm like that. I feel base. like that's hard to do not to bring any of your traumas and, and anxieties. Like that's just a natural part of who we are. I think probably more more accurately is like doing the work to address those things on our own, as opposed to putting that pressure on our partners. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Like one of the things that I've learned is that my partner is not my psychologist. My partner's not my mm-hmm. therapist. So mm-hmm. uh, he he says to me, like, instead of uh, calling me in tears, just take your medication. Just do things for yourself, and and mm-hmm. then and then like it makes it makes me feel better in myself. If I take if I if I focus on uh, taking my medication, doing self care. Uh, that helps me be a better partner to him. Whereas like over over the last couple of months, it's not always been great. Like any relationship has ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the stage, when you've been together for over the honeymoon period or over when it goes beyond new relationship energy and you're just settling in. So it's just focusing on like, yes, I need to work on my book. I need to make sure I have... uh, 
financial stability and he's he's also realizing he needs that as well he needs to focus on his work and financial ability mm-hmm. so it's not restricting yourself not putting too many expectations on your partner um yeah yeah, yeah no, no 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 i i, I love it um these are lessons that I have also learned, you know, over the years. Um, when you say uh, my partner is not my therapist, my partner is not my psychologist, uh, taking all of those expectations off the table, like those are lessons that I learned myself, you know, and I feel like everybody learns uh, those lessons kind of in their own time, in their own way. Um, for me, uh, with with my ex, uh, we we decided and we kind of like one of our relationship rules so to speak was i am responsible for my happiness right mm-hmm. you are not responsible for my happiness i have i of course want to do things to make you happy right that's kind of part of being in a relationship is i want to do things to make you happy but your happiness is your responsibility my happiness is my responsibility and you know um as long as we're working together, I think, I think that that's, that's good. And, you know, with you talking about that, that self-care, like, I feel like that's, that's what you mean when, when you're talking about finding space for yourself, creating that stable base is taking the time to do that, that self-care, uh, whether it's, it's, uh, taking medications or, you know, going for walks or finding different ways to, uh, to deal with our, our stressors and our anxieties and our insecurities. Um, what have you, what have you learned? Like what, what, uh, tools have you learned to kind of help you with those anxieties and insecurities? Um, I mean, aside from taking, taking your meds when, when that time comes. Yeah. Uh, definitely learning to deal with my own insecurities like uh it's i love compersion compersion is my favorite thing and definitely learning that it's not jealousy it's the opposite and if i'm insecure it's because of me i'm i'm the i'm thinking of paranoid thoughts but Mm -hmm. i can't i can't influence everything that's outside my control that's an external factor uh but i can I can control internal factors and that's something that I still struggle to work on mm-hmm. um uh with with everything in my past and like uh not having a mum growing up for example that was something that was really difficult and so, so it's it's like I'm learning to be my own person and I'm not sure what else to say there actually uh like just like focusing on things that make me happy. Like I went for a walk Mm. with my friends from school today and that's something I've not done for a while because while I've been focusing on my partner too much, I've realized I've not been reaching out to people that I could speak to. Like I didn't know that one of my friends had broken up with her boyfriend a couple months ago. So that's something that I need to look more into because it's not just my partner that's here for me. It's also my friends and his family and my family. Man, that is... You're you're hitting some you're hitting some good points here, um, nurturing other relationships. I feel like this is a um, a monogamy, like like unlearning monogamy in a way. Yes. Um, go ahead, go ahead. Tell me what you're thinking. Un- unlearning monogamy. Uh, that that is definitely a good point. Uh, in in most like I don't I don't know about over there, but over here it's very much 
a a taboo like i'd i'd be seen as being a cheater or he'd be seen as being a cheater but it's it's not it's 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 also learning that it's okay to be gay as well so or it's okay to be pansexual and just yeah like unlearning monogamy and accepting that i could have a girlfriend and a boyfriend Mm -hmm. or i could have a triad ideally i'd love a triad but unfortunately it's not happened yet (laughs) <laughs> it's funny i feel like that's almost the uh the the polyamory like pyramid like that's that's at the top the the triad for whatever reason yeah. um I, it sounds fun i don't know I, I i think i could go either way with it um but i get what you're saying you know it's it's uh all of these different things about monogamy that were that were uh unlearning or other people are unlearning as they kind of uh walk this path with us whether whether they mean to or not oh hello from poland thank you so much oh this this is awesome this is such a great comment glad to hear all of your stories i think we need more resources about being poly thank you so much kali gufso i don't know i didn't say it right but um so when it comes to unlearning monogamy like society in general you mentioned talking about how other people think that we're cheating and that is not uh unique to the uk right they definitely have we have the we have the same struggles over here um i saw this this funny tweet or meme or something where people were like it's not you know when it comes to ethical non-monogamy the non-monogamy isn't the hard part it's the ethical part that people are weirded out about like how how can you just have these conversations with your person why don't you just cheat like everybody else and it's like no 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 no. actually it's more difficult to have these conversations and have all of this be out in the open than you know to try and maintain these these uh shady relationships um and i i agree with you that a lot of people just automatically judge you know polyamory is just cheating with more steps or whatever you know all these things um but like it's totally obviously not true for those of us who have done you know pretty much any amount of research um when i was thinking about uh unlearning monogamy you know in in what you were talking about is in my monogamous relationships and in my history in my past i spent a lot of time focusing on that relationship because you know it was the most important relationship and like our lives are supposed to intertwine and the two become one and all this stuff. And so like I would focus all of my energy on that relationship and so very quickly forget all of my friends and like these other networks. And it sounds like you are realizing that uh, you do need to nurture those other relationships and that support network is just so, so important. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. It's very important. I, f- I feel that the most important thing is le- is friendship. Like friendship mm-hmm. should be the highest because without a support network, if you didn't have your family, then you wouldn't have anyone. If you didn't have your family and friends, then you'd just be alone. And that's not very nice, is it? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, later on this week, uh, whoops, comment just came up and I missed it. Uh, but later on this week, uh, we're going to have somebody on the show talking about platonic love. So I think that's on Wednesday. That should be fun. Robbie's asking, what's it called when you choose not to be with anybody, have any partner, but you still love everybody? What do you think, Angelica? How would, would you answer say, that question? 
that sounds like a description of uh, solo poly. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking along the same lines. Uh, so solo poly, the way that uh, I understand it, the way that I would uh, describe it is someone who, or maybe even relationship anarchy, somewhere along those lines. Yeah. Um, so solo poly is someone who has multiple relationships, is you know honest and ethical about all of them, but does not have any plans to uh, cohabitate or ride the relationship escalator with anybody. Uh, where relationship anarchy, uh, just Callie. All right, there you go. Thanks, Callie. <laughs> um, oh man, so many cool comments. People don't understand that yes. in poly relationships, you can cheat as well. It's all about boundaries, and cheating is never cool. One hundred percent. To finish my thought on relationship anarchy, it's basically putting all of the relationships on the same uh, level. It's totally just zero hierarchy at all uh thoughts on that one angelica yeah that sounds about right just no, just not having anyone be your number one person that sounds a, a little bit like what i i would consider myself sometimes but uh un unfortunately i do i do have a partner that i do focus on quite a lot and i i do need to do need to go with the flow it's it's yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it is it is what it is. Like like there's no definition on any of this stuff, right? Like we're we're all kind of figuring this out. There's no rule book per se. Uh when we think of the relationship escalator, we kind of know what it is from all of the uh books, movies, you know, stories that we know. It's it's boy meets girl traditionally, right? And yeah. you know, fall in love and and move in get engaged, get married, have kids, grow old together, get the white house, you know, the, the house with the white picket fence, you know, two kids and a dog. Like that's, that's the, the yeah. relationship escalator, but we get, we get to design our own relationships. Yeah. Isn't that the coolest thing? Exactly. It, you, you could stay, you could stay in a, a, a hippie commune and have like five partners in one house because some, sometimes you need to have five people to buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> Monogamy in this economy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Angelica, I want to give you a chance to uh, talk a little bit more uh, about your books and tell our listeners uh, where they can find uh, where they can find them and where they can, they can learn more about you. OK, so my my books are available to purchase on Amazon for Kindle and paperback. Uh, I also have a Patreon where I uh can sell my I, I can sell my book directly and I can offer to provide uh, any drawings or signatures in those books as well and it can, it could possibly be a little bit cheaper than Amazon as well <laughs> nice nice and what is the title of your books uh, so my books are the Tempest Saga the first trilogy is called Eternal so the sim very simple it's just part one part two part three mm -hmm. and then the second trilogy that i'm working on just now is called last so at the moment i've got the first part out the second part is coming out in december uh so look forward to that as well nice and you were telling me about another project another book that you're working on that's coming out next year uh yeah so i'm gonna be working on the final part in the trilogy uh throughout november in nanowrimo and that will be available next year. So that will focus more on exploring the the characters' queerness and polyamory, and just like thinking like 
questioning whether some of the previous like like previous characters in the story were they cheating were they just meant to be together and like there's also the trope the cliche that the when the character is cheating in your story you need to make up a reason to hate the character they're cheating on mm-hmm. and and that's that's not always the case sometimes it's just just happens so so if you get into a situation where maybe you're feeling quite sexual or you're having fun and it's it's good to just sort of embrace that like like we're all we're all humans we all experience urges and it's okay to accept your desires like like my partner very much supports me in in going out with girls or like getting a girlfriend and like it it sounds like that sounds like something that most men would enjoy is, is a girlfriend <laughs> having another girlfriend. Sure. But but yeah, it's it's also helped me to learn that maybe some of my exes didn't value uh, lesbian relationships quite as quite as equally. Um, right. So it's it's great to have a partner that is ethical, poly, and an equal partner. So he accepts all sexualities, all genders, and that is that is a wonderful thing, uh, especially in maybe a closed-minded community such as a small town like I live in as well. For sure, for sure. All right, so that was the Tempest Saga. And uh, for those of you listening, you can find that at patreon.com slash author of last. Angelica, I wanted to just ask you one last thing. Was there anything that I missed? Is there anything that you wish that I had asked you uh, or some final thoughts that you want to leave for the audience? Okay, I have a final thought to leave for the audience. So it's the question of, can you still have a soulmate even if you're polyamorous? Mm. Was that just a question? You want to just like leave that out there for commentary? Yeah. Okay. All right. So for anybody that wants to uh, drop that comment, uh, follow us on uh, all our social medias at Practicing PolyA and reach out to... uh, angelica on facebook at guitar creations that's uh like guitar and spider put together right yes so g-u-i-t-i-d-e-r creations and uh let us know can you still have a soulmate if you're polyamorous and i think personally yes you get more soulmates and look at that callie says i think yes totally agree with you callie um, and I think we get to have more soulmates because we're not just stuck with one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Angelica, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, for spending some time with me today. Really appreciate you. I know it's a, a little bit late out there in the UK, so thank you for staying up with us. And no uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, this has been this has been fun. This has been great. Okay. Thank you very much for having <laughs> me. Take it easy. Of course, you as well. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in. Thank you, Callie. Thank you, uh, Robbie, for all of your commentary. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, catch us live for the rest of this week, 2.30 Pacific time. Sign up for Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is to download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That is all we've got for you all today. Thank you as always, and until next time, until tomorrow, every day. Have a nice day! 
Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.